You're listening to Change Your POV Podcast, episode 44. It's really easy to start a business. It's scary how easy it is to get approved to start a business. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they approve you like you know what you're doing. Right. No freaking clue. No help at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, we're... Uh, we're not even repairing welding equipment. Um, I'm still working for American Welding and Gas. We started up a welding shop. Welcome to Change Your POV Podcast. Helping you navigate transitions in your life, like entering and exiting college or the military, changing jobs or careers, and providing you with the coaching and mentorship needed to help you advance in your personal or professional life. Sometimes all you need is to change your point of view. Now, here's your host, Eddie Lazary. Welcome, everyone, for yet another episode of Change Your POV Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Lazary, and today I'm sitting down with Brian Dunaway. Brian is a special person in my life because he is not only a fellow veteran, but he is actually related to me. He is my cousin. So uh, my father and your mother are brother and sister. Correct. And uh, yeah, and we've got quite a few years, uh, not quite a few, but we've got enough years between us where I didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to get to know you growing up, other than, you know, meeting here and there from time to time at grandma's house or whatever. Um, but yeah, I went off to the army right out of high school, did 10 years. And um, so now here we are. We're both adults. We've, we're married. We've got kids. We've uh, done some time in the service. And uh, now I'm just finally getting to know you a little bit. So um, this is as much for my benefit as, as it is for the listeners out there. So uh, before I get into any further questions, why don't you uh, tell me and uh, the rest of the listeners out there a little bit about you and uh, your military service and uh, kind of what you got going on? Well, you know, I joined pretty much right out of high school, like like a lot of guys do. Um, you know, everybody, you know, seemed most of our family served in one service or the other, a lot of sailors. So, you know, I kind of followed suit on that one. Sounded good. Yeah, you know, I like a month after I graduated, off to boot camp. Did boot camp. Uh, then I went to air crew school. Uh, went through that uh, fun training, and um, then I got sent to uh, my squadron, and uh, that was VFA 113, the Stingers, out of NAS Lemoore, California. I started off, you know, I think I, I think I got E2 before I got there, but that was a while ago. So. Uh, <laughs> And it doesn't really matter at that point either. So um, worked uh, on the flight line, uh, you know, servicing, uh, doing inspections on uh, the Hornets and playing on the flight line, playing on the flight deck uh, when we got deployed and uh, made my way up, you know, up the ranks to uh, E4. And I transferred out and I became a personnel specialist, third class E4, took over a billing department for uh, three hosp- uh, three Navy hospitals, and um, that's where I ended my about five and a half years right there and uh, got out, decided to uh, move back up to Montana. So before we get into a little bit of, of that story, I want to go back and talk a little bit more Navy because mm-hmm. I am I am I talk to a lot of Marines and a lot of, of course, a lot of Army. Yep. 
Uh, I don't know a lot of of Navy guys, nor do I speak to many of them. You're right. Most of the military service in our family uh, all came out of the Navy. So our, our grandfather was in the Navy and our uncle was in the Navy. And, and um, I, I decided to break ranks and go Army for whatever reason. But so um, so talk to me a little bit about so how does the Navy work? So obviously you got boot camp. And how long does that last for, for Navy months. guys? Okay, that's pretty normal. Yep. Now, do you do do you do boot camp with all all, all Navy, or do you have uh, Marines in there as well? It's all Navy. Uh, we go to boot camp in uh, Great Lakes uh, over by Chicago. Okay. Uh, that's uh, there used to be two boot camps: one down in San Diego, one up in the Great Lakes region. Uh, they closed San Diego, and uh, that's mainly you know your SEAL training and. Uh, uh, advanced training down there. So uh, they shoved everybody in Great Lakes and th- they've been, you know, retooling it quite a bit. I know they were building a lot more barracks when I was there. So a lot, uh, there's going to be a lot nicer when after I left. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, lucky you. I mean, the Great Lakes, is, it's much nicer and warmer than San Diego. So I'm sure the, weather, the water was much warmer as well. It, it was... It, it was being facetious. <laughs> was it really? Oh yeah, it, uh, it was kind of surprising uh, how humid it was there. Uh, hmm. Even after uh, boot camp, I went down to Florida for my uh, my air crew school, and yeah, it was a little bit more humid, but not by much. Wow, I would have never thought that. I know. So I mean, typically your average uh, sailor isn't you know, trucking around a weapon out, out on, on sea, right? I wouldn't imagine you guys, as part of your job, aren't lugging around, you know, M4s and 9 mils. I wouldn't guess. So when you do basic, uh, what what type of training is involved with that? I mean, are you doing a lot of weapons training, or is it more like swimming? Like, what's the focus of the uh, basic or the boot camp? Um, we do a little bit of weapons calls, uh, you know, get familiar with the 9 millimeter, but that's about it. Um, you know, if we need to be familiar with anything more, then we'll learn that when we move out of basic, um, or we can take the initiative to learn it ourselves if we don't have that opportunity given to us. Uh, but boot camp mainly focuses on um, your tradition. So, you know, Navy and Army have been around a long, long time, uh, longer than everybody else for the U.S. So, you know, they make sure that, you know, our heritage is, is uh, well ingrained into us. How to store things when we're out at sea, you know, you know how we're keeping our racks, how we're, uh, you know, folding things. Make sure that we know how to live correctly on the ship. And then, you know, of course, phys- uh, physical fitness, that's a big one. And uh, how to maneuver around uh, ships. Uh, we have a little training ship that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, it's it's actually on land, but, um, you know, how to board a ship, how to leave a ship, how to maneuver around a ship uh, where you don't stand. Where you, where you don't stand and how not to crack your head on everything? <laughs> yeah, you still do. <laughs> yeah, so my, uh, there's a, down in Massachusetts, up in the northeast where I live, there's this um, battleship. It's like a, it's like a floating museum. Mm-hmm. It's down in, uh, it's called a Battleship Cove, and they've got... This battleship, I'm not sure what class. Like I said, I'm very navy dumb when it comes to anything navy. But it's it's battleship. And they've got like a, I think it's like a captured uh, Russian submarine and and another vessel. But anyway, so you go down there, you pay your, you know your 
your ticket and you get in basically all day and you can spend all day just walking around the ship and oh my god it's like deck after deck after deck i it could very easily and this is you know relatively small compared to what they have today and you can easily just kind of get turned around and get lost in you know places like that but i just distinctly remember very steep stairs and i was cracking my head on everything everywhere i turned yep uh one thing that you learned how to do was read bulkheads you know you probably saw the numbers above um where you're cracking your head yeah um that was telling you you know how far in you were what deck you were on whether you were on the port side or starboard side all that oh so it was actually it's like a map if you if you knew how to read it then i would you, you basically know exactly where you were huh exactly that's crazy and there was a i don't know how many decks down but there was there was a sign that basically said that where where we were standing we were actually below uh the water level at, mm-hmm. at the point we were standing so it was just amazing to to think and to see and to imagine, you know, being out out to sea and you know having I don't know how many thousands of, of, of sailors on ship and trying to maneuver around and, and get by everybody. And I, I bet you're right. I mean, it's very close quarters, and you really have to know how to live in confined, you know, areas and spaces and get along with people. I would imagine it's it's a little bit different than your your college your roommates where you know you might you know fuss a little bit with one another but yeah. you can always go to class or go downtown or go somewhere and get away from from them or from people but you're out to sea on a ship i can't imagine there's a whole lot of places you can go and not a whole lot of things you can do huh yeah um you know where you have your birthing you know that's kind of everybody's there you know everybody in your squadron for the most part or everybody in your shop if you don't have a big enough birthing um if you're lucky you get stuck with you know a small birthing where you know you only have you know 15 20 guys in there that you work with and that you know pretty well but you got a little lounge in there but you can't really get away from anybody you can go up to the galley you know sit and talk and you know have some juice or water or whatever and um you know, if you just need to have a break from people, the weight rooms are always popular. Don't get to get away from too many people usually on those, but a uh, good way to, you know, take some energy out of you and uh, <laughs> stop from knocking somebody's head off. Yeah. So you were, you said Hornets. Uh, those are aircraft, yes? Yep. What type of aircraft are they? They uh, The one that I worked on specifically was called the FA-18 Charlie. Um, okay. It's a single seat strike fighters jet it was brought in around the early 80s they're phasing them out right now um there won't be a a regular hornet left in the u.s navy they might use them for training you know less expensive to destroy a hornet than a super hornet yeah so the the blue angels right uh is that the aircraft they fly yep Okay. Yeah, they just uh, fly regular Hornets. Got it. Now, what's the difference between the C class, or I mean, that the C indicator on the end? What does that mean? Is that uh, a carrier? Nope. Alpha and Bravo um, were the first models. Of oh, the, okay. Then you had the Charlie Deltas, and those are Charlies are single seaters. Deltas are dual seaters. Uh, kind of like you know Top Gun. Okay. Uh, yep. Your guy in the back. Yep. Yeah. yeah Goose, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, is that what they were flying in the movie? No, they were flying Tomcats. The 16s? Uh, uh, 14s. Oh, man. I told you, man. I'm Navy <laughs> dumb, bro. Navy dumb, man. All the way around. So, like I said, I talked a lot of Army and Marine Corps. And, and the, well, of course, if you listen to my show, you'll know that Bennett is, uh, he identifies as a Marine. And uh, even though he 
gave that up and became an, an a, a soldier in the army. But um, he he says that the Marine Corps is uh, the men's department of the Navy. So uh, describe from a Navy's perspective, what's it like? Have you been out to sea with uh, with uh, Marines on board? Uh, very few. They're they don't go out to sea very much on the full carriers. Mm. Uh, every once in a while, you get a few that that are training uh, pilots mainly, uh, but Marines they usually. Stay closer to ground-based units or um, our smaller assault uh, craft you know okay they're more on helicopters and uh, landing craft stuff you know things like that so you were in the Navy you know the, in the, around the same time I was in the Army you know well definitely around the you know the, the global war on terror area right within the last 12 years or so so describe for me was that different i mean what were you were you doing you know without getting into anything that you can't disclose i, I would imagine um there's some of the things you can't discuss but um were, was there uh the op tempo different or missions different living in the environment that we were you know through the last 12 years of uh, essentially uh wartime um you know i joined pretty much as we were uh, starting the, the Iraq war, I flew out and I met my squadron when they were going, you know, when we were patrolling the uh, Persian Gulf, flew out to uh, the Lincoln. And, you know, that's, you know, later on in that cruise, we bombed uh, Iraq. And that's when that whole thing started. So, you know, flight ops were, uh, well, for one, I was brand new, you know, never seen really a flight deck, you know, never got really close to, you know, the Hornets, except for, you know, the few that I saw on land before I flew off, you know, that's a whole nother world up there. And we were flying constantly. It was nonstop. I was up on the flight deck 12 hours a day, you know, waiting for, you know, birds to come back or launching them. And we'd get little breaks here and there, you know, to go eat and uh, sit down for a few minutes. But it was go, 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 go all the time. So, so were you doing, were you, Part of the launching crew, or were you loading, uh, reloading ammo as these things landed uh, for to top off and, and to fly back off? What was your specific job? When I first started, I was a plane captain trainee. Um, basic, what a plane captain, what a plane captain trainee does is all the grunt work for everybody <laughs> up on the flight deck. <laughs> uh, you know, we get up there and you know we um, basically kind of do a quick oil change on on it uh you know plug in some oil and make sure it's full you know check the, the hydraulic fluid make sure that's full look for any leaks or anything bad uh we'll jump in the you know when the aircraft is off we'll jump in the in the intake duct and make sure that uh nothing actually went in the turbine and uh, it's free of uh, what we call fog for an off yeah. damage so so that 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 sounds like a I don't know, a rather dangerous job jumping into the intake of a uh, an, F, an F-A-18. I, I actually saw a video, you've probably seen it, where this dude was walking across the flight deck, and I think he was standing a little too erect or whatever, and all of a sudden he just got his ass sucked into that air. And oh, yeah, out. yeah, into a prowler. Um, yeah, he he was checking the, the catapult to make sure everything was set up right, and he lifted his head just a little too far, and... <laughs> <laughs> man he actually lived though i don't know how in the hell he lived but uh he didn't have his cranial strapped 
his helmet. He didn't have <laughs> yeah. it strapped. You know, we're supposed to have him strapped up there, but, you know, God's dumb luck, he didn't have it strapped, and it sucked it off, and it uh, blew up the engine before he got there. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> so did you see any crazy thing? Well, obviously, you probably didn't see anybody get sucked into an air intake, but nope. uh, anything. So so tell me a crazy – I'm sure you've had several, but give me a crazy – a crazy sea story that uh that that you remember you recall from your time in service um uh, this was my last cruise and i was on the flight deck and we were recovering aircraft uh now this wasn't my squadron this was our sister squadron and jets coming in and it's just getting ready to land it hits the deck hits uh the the resting arm mm-hmm. and the tail hook sheared off oh. and the jet kept on going <laughs> well, you know, uh, it slowed it down. Well, you know, the pilot was like, oh, hell, <laughs> I'm gone. He just uh, ejected and he was out. <laughs> oh, no. So he didn't he didn't have enough time to uh, power back up and, and take off. And well, even if he did, he didn't have no way to land it. Right. It, well, it, exactly. I mean, he could have we could have sent off uh, another aircraft to refuel him. Yeah. Um, and so he could, you know, make land. But. And he kind of, I, I, I'd probably panic myself, but, <laughs> uh, you know, hits his mark and he's still going. So he just, you know, yanked that thing. Yeah. So the uh, aircraft just kept going off the end of the uh, yeah, carrier just, then? Just went into the water. Wow. Just uh, tax right off there, ladies and gents. Thank you for paying your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> That's $13 million. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, it would have just ended up on... In some cities, like airport as a museum object anyway at some point, right? Exactly. All right, cool. So you did, what, five and a half years? Yep. So, um, again, I'm very dumb with Navy uh, anything. So describe for me the enlisted rank structure again. So I get the E1, E2, E3. I get all that. What's the uh, actual names of the ranks? Well, uh, you know, E1. Uh, when you start off E1, you have different ranks depending on what you're going in if you're you know ship's company you're a seaman uh if you go aviation you're an airman if you go into like damage control like firefighting you know things like that uh you're a fireman yeah i don't know does the marine i mean the uh navy have any type of an nco rank at the e4 level or is that strictly e5 yeah once you hit e4 you're an nco Oh, okay. Yeah. That's okay. I got it. Yeah. Um, once you hit E4, uh, you're considered a, um, a petty officer. Uh, okay. And that petty officer carries all the way up through your E8, uh, which is your master chief petty officer. So once you hit E4, you just keep on rising in the ranks as an NCO. Okay. Got it. Yep. How long does it take to obtain rank or what's what type of... Uh... Do you have like um, evaluations or we have what in the army we have what's called promotion boards. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain set of criteria that we have to meet in terms of points. And um, and then we, you know, we go to a board and we're actually interviewed by a panel of, you know, first sergeants and, and sergeant major, which is, you know, your E8s and your E9s. And that's how you're kind of progressed into the into and through the non-commissioned officer ranks. Um, does Navy have something equivalent to that? Um, we don't, uh, we don't really do boards up until you go into from E6 to E7 from first class to chief. That's when, uh, things start getting, you know, really political, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay. But, you know, we we take regular tests, you know, to become E4, you have to take uh, E4, E5, E6, you have to take tests, you know, and your physical scores, you know, all that kind of uh, works into it. Any special warfare pins that you have, um, like air warfare, uh, surface warfares, submarine warfare, any, if you have those, uh, those are points towards, you know, getting promoted and then you take a test and that's, uh, that's a lot of your points right there. Problem is sometimes, uh, your billet, your specialty that you're in, yeah, it could be full. I mean, they, they could, mm-hmm. you know, only have one person advance from say, if you wanted to become an E4 and only one per, uh, person advanced and nobody got out while well, everybody else that's taken that there's only one person. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So kind of sucks that way. Um, you know, it doesn't, you could score when I became E4, I scored in the 99th percentile. There's like three people in the entire Navy that moved up. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, uh, for, uh, for my, uh, specialty. Yeah. So it's with, so it's in the whole Navy. It's not, it's not necessarily like a, a billet on your ship then. No. Uh, yeah. You, you compete against the entire Navy. Yeah. Okay. The army's the same way. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And the further, further up you go, the, the fewer slots there are, well, which makes sense. I yep. mean, you're going to have, you're going to have, more E1s, E2s, and you're going to have E8s, E9s. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's natural. It's a a ladder. It's a pyramid, right? Yep. So that makes sense. All right, so you got out um, at what rank? I was just an E4. Okay. But, yeah, you're an NCO. Yep. So um, what's life like as an NCO on ship versus uh, just a regular Joe? In the Army, we call them Joes. I don't know. What what do you call the, uh, what do you call lower enlisted in the Navy? Words I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in the, the Marine Corps calls them boots. In the Army, we call them Joes. And in the Navy, it's something unmentionable. Got it. Yeah, you know, we're, we're pretty loose with our terms. You know, uh, really, you know, there's no, I guess, real standard that we call. You know, it's just whatever we feel like calling you that at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, the the term uh, "cursing like a sailor" comes from somewhere, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Okay. Cool. So let's move on. So so what what year did you get out? Uh, two thousand seven, December okay. two thousand seven. Yep. So you get out in two thousand seven. You decided to move back to Montana because it is a great country up there. Yep. And and you decide. So talk to me about your transition out of the Navy. I mean, were were you prepared? Were you unprepared? Like. Did it go as, you know, the way you thought it would? Is there something you would have done differently or known differently if you were to go back? I mean, I'm asking like 3,000 questions right now, but just to kind of get a sense for for where I'm going with this is I like, you know, obviously this podcast is going to go out and people are going to listen to it. And hopefully those that are in the Navy are listening to this and perhaps they're still in and, and something that you could, uh, that you do say on this cast might encourage them or, or motivate them to do something perhaps a little bit differently than they had planned on. That's really the ultimate goal of Change Your POV is to get people to think things a little bit differently than they normally would have. Because I'll be honest with you, when I got out, I was completely unprepared, man. I I seriously didn't even think about what I was going to do, how I was going to do it, where I was going to go, how I was going to get there. And it was a, it was a it took a toll on me, man. I had, you know, a wife and two kids and it was very, very stressful. And if I were to go, if I were to go back and, and do things differently, I would have done things very, very differently. So I just want to get a sense from 
from that perspective from uh, from the Navy side, what was your experience like? Well, you know, I, I knew I was getting out. You know, some guys don't have that um, that setup. You know, some, you know, shit happens, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, but I knew I was getting out. You know, I knew this is, you know, my, the end of my contract. I had already, you know, I had everything signed. I had movers ready. I'm, you know, <laughs> I know where I'm going. I'm, uh, you know, yeah. I, I have a job lined up. Um, I took some time off and I went up, I came back up to Montana, lined up a job. I thought I was damn prepared, you know, get up here. You know, we figured we were going to stay with my parents for, you know, a little while until um, things kind of just settled down because we were moving during the holidays, uh, you know, just starting a new job. You know, so, you know, we figured probably, you know, maybe about a month, maybe two, you know, at the most. I get up to Montana. I can't get a hold of the guy that's supposed to uh, start making me, you know, get me to work. I, mm. He won't answer his phone, won't call me back, nothing. Mm. So now I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> what was that What was that uh, line of work? What were you supposed to be doing? Uh, I was supposed to be an equipment operator for rail car derailment cleanup. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Well, you know, I was like, okay, I get to play with big machines. Cool. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and the the wage that we discussed was, you know, for entry level, I was like, all right, this, I can do this. Uh, you know, it's a good wage. Mm-hmm. Can't get a hold of him. You know, I spend probably about a month trying to get a hold of him. And finally, he calls me up, says, all right, uh, meet, at, uh, meet at this gas station. We'll, we're going up to North Dakota. We got a derailment up there. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to work. Cool. Find out on the way there that I'm getting paid like 10 bucks an hour. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not what we agreed on, you know? Right, right. And, you know, things just went downhill. He's like, well, I don't need any equipment operators right now. I just need laborers. And that's what I'm paying. I'm paying laborers. Mm. And I'm like three quarters of the way to North Dakota now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so did you just did you just knock out that job and then come back and be like, see you, dude? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And were you married at the time? Yeah, uh, yeah, we were. We were married. Uh, our oldest was like six months old. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet you that that was a fun conversation with the wife when you got back, right? Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I called everybody up. I said, "Hey, this is the situation." Uh, yeah. You know, we're moving on, and you know, I kind of bounced around a little bit from, you know, a couple of jobs, took a, a collections, a job as a collections agent for um, one of the hospitals here in town. Cause well, I, you know, right before I got out, um, I was doing billing and collections for the Navy hospitals in our, in our region. So, yeah, you know, I had experience in doing it. I ran the department. I, I could do it. So, so collections at a hospital, were you, were you like cruising around like repoing people's like wheelchairs and stuff? No, we're trying to. Oh, like bill, like bill collector. Kind of bill collector. We were trying to get okay. you know whether it was supposed to be the insurance company paying or you know private party. You know, yeah, trying to get somebody accountable to start paying. Okay, and that wasn't fun. Oh, take it. it was never fun. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry that you had a heart attack. Fork it over. Yeah, yeah, um, right. And you know, it wasn't really the job that got to me, uh, but I ended up getting fired uh, because I had applied for the uh, our manager's position, and 
because I was still within that probationary period, she <laughs> fired me because she felt I was gunning for her position. Oh, nice. So, you know. Yeah, what, that was a nice little wake-up call to uh, corporate America, huh? Yeah, like, I can't believe I got fired for trying to get promoted. Wow. So, yep, happens. Yeah. She didn't last very long there anyways, but, you know. Yeah. After, I mean, too late for you, right? You yeah. sacrificed you. Yeah. So now what you got to do? Well, um, you know, I did some work as a mason, you know, you know, basically hauling brick and uh, brick and mortar for, you know, building buildings and elevators and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did that for a little bit. Then I saw a job opening for Verizon as a cell phone repair technician. Ooh, that sounds fun. I was like, let's go forth. <laughs> I get hired. I have no experience with, you know, hands-on electronics besides, you know, I know how to push the damn buttons on my cell phone. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, do you know how to solder? Nope. I, I don't know anything <laughs> about this crap. Somehow I get hired. Yeah. Uh, all right, you guys must be desperate because I am not <laughs> qualified for this crap. <laughs> I start working, you know, the guy, you know, the manager there starts teaching me how to solder. You know, he brings me from, you know, bigger objects to, uh, you know, the, uh, the microprocessors that are on cell phones. Mm -hmm. so, you know, we work big from small and eventually I was able to, you know, remove and replace any chip that uh, could be removed and replaced on a cell phone board. Mm -hmm. and they're kind of small. So, yeah, there's lots of tricks to the trade that he showed me and things to look for. And I caught on pretty well. You know, he told me that there's no there's no more advancement for me as getting paid as high as I could. Um, unless he quit or got fired and he was about 10 years older than I was at the time and he wasn't planning on going anywhere. Right. Um, so if, if I were you, I'd look other places to, you know, advance yourself because you picked up on this pretty quickly, try to stay in the field you know, mm -hmm. uh, of electronic repair. And so I kind of start, you know, poking and prodding around, you know, seeing what's out there, you know, checking the help wanted ads and stuff like that company called yeah belly welder supply they're advertising for a welder repair technician mm -hmm. all right let's go for it i don't know what the hell i'm doing but <laughs> yeah uh, never uh, stopped you before right exactly uh, i know how i know how a welder works i guess i mean i know how to stick metal together <laughs> right yeah you know so i interview and i get the job and my first day my uh, the shop manager says you're not gonna last no nice <laughs> Words of encouragement yeah, right? I was like, on your first day. I go from one manager that, you know, takes, you know, basically holds my hand, you know, tells, you know, shows me the tricks of the trade to go in from a guy. You're not going to last. I'm, mm -hmm. uh, I'll be surprised if you're here in three months. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of lit a fire under the ass. And I learned as, as much as I could, as fast as I could. And uh, I became really good at repairing welding equipment. Uh, you know, it didn't matter if it was wire or stick welders or TIG welders, plasma cutters. It didn't matter. You know, I could sit down and I could, you know, decipher this stuff pretty easily. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, just some things click for people. And boy, oh boy, that clicked for me real fast. And, uh, you know, he was surprised. He, he was he was happy, but surprised that, you know, I lasted as long as I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I did that for a few years. and. That's basically where I learned how to repair welding equipment. And that's where my love of re 
repairing and diagnostics came from right it was right there okay yeah so that's when you decided hmm this is not only easy but i'm really good at it and i've got a passion to do this well you know hey i could do this on my own and is that where uh D D welders were born was born um actually uh, no D D welders was the brainchild of a couple failed attempts. <laughs> mm, okay. No, I, I love failed attempts. So let's talk about these failed attempts and then let me know when your brother comes on scene here. So, um, I take over as the shop manager for, um, uh, Valley Welder Supply and they turn, uh, they grew into, um, American welding and gas. And I, you know, we got a new building and everything. Um, and I take over as the shop manager. Uh, me and the president of the company saw differently about how we should do things in the shop. And um, at that point, I was working with a friend, a uh, guy that I grew up from junior high all the way till we're still friends now. We started working with a, uh, as a company called DNA Customs. We had no idea how to run a business. We had, we just Googled how to start a business. Yeah. Oh, file with the IRS. All right. File with the state. Cool. (laughs) It's really easy to start a business. It's scary how easy it is to get approved to start a business. Yeah. Yeah. they, They approve you like you know what you're doing. Right. No freaking clue. No help at all. (laughs) So, you know, uh, we're uh, we're not even repairing welding equipment. Um, I'm still working for American Welding and Gas. Um, we started up a welding shop. You know, we're uh, chasing uh, the oil rigs because the oil boom is just kicking it here. Sure. Yeah. We're going to you know Wyoming, North Dakota, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, you know, as as fast as we can. You know, making making good money, but not knowing how to manage it. Right. You know, okay. You know, Been there. Uh, yep. You got, uh, you know, shop expenses. You have mm-hmm. paychecks. Who needs those? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, cost of fuel, insurance, business insurance. Holy mm-hmm. crap. You know, uh, we had to have like a $3 million policy. Mm-hmm. That's expensive. That's like fifteen hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, you know we, we there was so much more that you know we got thrown at us that we had no idea how to deal with, and you know we did the best we could. You know, and finally it got the better of us. You know, we uh, we lost a big contract because um, again, corporate America. I like. I got a buddy that owns this welding shop, so we're going to go with him. Oh, nice. Yeah. One of those, huh? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. even though we did better work, better prices, and it didn't matter, we lost our big contract, and basically we, we sunk within like 30 days. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, once we lost that contract, we were done. Uh, we didn't have any reserves. We didn't have long enough to you know, build, you know, build back up another clientele or go after anybody else. Right. How, how long were you in business at the time? I think we lasted eight months. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, and during that eight months, I, I quit, um, American welding and gas to yeah. um, help, you know, manage the shop full time. 
tried to manage it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, another ex- uh, experience. Don't let everybody have access to the bank account. Oh, <laughs> no way. Yeah, we money disappeared, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we were supposed to do a custom build and, um, money disappeared. Yeah. They, oh. they put like $12,000 down. Nuh-uh. Goodbye. Gone, huh? Yep. Oh. And you know, there was a, it, it took me a while to pay back some stuff, but I got paid back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, so that was the first fail attempt, and you decided to go at it again, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, thing, that's what I think I love about veterans, right? We just get beat and beat and beat, and we're just like, fuck it. Let's just keep going, man. I mean, whatever. We'll <laughs> yeah. just get up and just get getting beat and beat. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is, but, you know, so many stories and, and veterans, uh, veteran entrepreneurs that I talk to are very, very similar in that regard. Um, sometimes they just don't know when to quit and sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's not in their vocabulary. So yeah. Let, so tell me this story about you, uh, getting up and doing this again. Well, uh, you know, you know, it was kind of, uh, we didn't really wait too long to, you know, go separate ways. You know, they, they decided, my friend decided, okay, we're going to go on the, you know, keep on welding, you know, do mobile welding. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, uh, get back into repairing welding equipment. Right. So, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of feeding off of each other. You know, when I know somebody that needs, a, you know, a welder, I give them a call, say, hey, here's a job and vice right. versa. So, you know, we're kind of going back and forth. And at this point, I don't even have a business name set up anymore. I'm just, you know, shooting from the hip. I, I you know, mm-hmm. driving around in a little S10 that <laughs> we built and it can't hold it can barely hold me in it, and <laughs> <laughs> let alone my tools and crap like that. So yeah, um, it was an interesting experience just to you know keep that dream alive. We were living in you know uh, summer campers in the dead of winter in North Dakota, trying to stay oh. <laughs> trying to stay warm through the night. Get up, go do some work, and you know back and forth. I mean. Glutton for punishment is what we were and uh, kind of still are. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, until the Bakken slowed down, we we, uh, we were going to North Dakota weekly, if not a couple times a week. Wow. Um, we, Do, got, doing pri- doing primarily uh, repair, not welding, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, okay. Um, it was. March 2004 or 2014, where um, I, I my glutton for punishment, I was I was done. I was getting ready to sell everything I had off. I didn't want to own a damn wrench, a screwdriver, nothing. I was I was done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my brother comes to me, said, "Hey, I got a guy that wants to rebuild a welder." And I'm like, like hell, I want to do that anymore. You know, I've mm-hmm. you know since 2011, I've got my butt whooped day in and day out trying to make a dollar mm-hmm. and he said well teach me teach me to do it all right well so i kind of teach him you know what to look for you know how, basically how to wrench on these things mm-hmm. and he was liking it and you know things were kind of working out good because he listened which was nice you know 
usually that's, you're... that's that's weird for a brother right uh, i know right <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay we got the, you know we get this thing rebuilt and you know we make some money and he's like well i got another another guy that wants to have a welder built all right so you know we we start you know repairing you know like I have a tiny little shop. Um, I, I have my garage in this tiny little shop that I can't back my truck into because it's the, the door is so small on it. Can't, mm. You know, can't get anything in and out of it. And I mean, it's it's a horrible mess working on anything. But we started having regular clients, and you know, we're, we're turning product fairly quickly, as quickly as they pay us to turn it. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so we start, you know growing it and i was like well hell what are we gonna call ourselves you know you know we've been doing this for a couple months now you know what are we gonna call ourselves and and that's really where dnd welders came from and you know scratched out about 15 different names and that's what we you know it it fits it's easy to remember yeah yep. why fight it uh, and you've been in business now together for how long since uh officially july of 2014 okay uh, you know full you know with dnd welders uh that's yeah uh, that's really when you know everything officially came together and things kind of fell in the line you know we we, we learned enough of what not to do to <laughs> <laughs> so you went back through the whole process of starting or uh registering with the state and getting insurance and all of that. So did you find it easier your second or third time around? Yeah. Um, you know, because we're not welding, um, our insurance is far less expensive. Mm. Um, you know, so that really reduced costs. I don't need as big as building as we did. I mean, our, our first building was over 4,000 square feet. Oh, because you had to keep all the raw materials and everything that you were welding, right? Yeah, I, you know, we were uh, fabricating all the piping systems for the oil rigs in there. Mm. So yeah, we had a we had a large shop in there, but I mean, it was it run us dry some you know some months, you know, to keep the lights on, keep the heat on. Mm -hmm. Just the sheer size of it was way too you know, way too much for us to handle, you know. Yeah. Financially, uh, financially on a regular basis. So if you had a time machine, you can go back and chat with your earlier self right before you got out of the Navy. What, what would you say to yourself and why? Take it slow. I, I, I thought I had everything um, in place, you know, when I first got out. I, I'd, you know, signed all my paperwork and everything. I was ready to go to work for a company. I think as far as that, I did right. I just, you know, kind of bad luck, you know, intervened and things happen. Uh, but as for jumping from job to job, man, that was, that sucked. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I, I will tell you, though, that of all the veterans that I, that I have the opportunity of speaking with, that's actually not very uncommon. Um, a lot of guys, gals included, get out of the military and, you know, all they know is what they've done in the service and that's all they've been really trained to do for the most part. I mean, you may have multiple jobs within the service, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's still the service. And then when you get out, you know, corporate America is a lot different. I mean, you may be doing the same exact type of thing, but the people that you're working for and the structure in which you're 
working at is very much different than that of, of the military service. And a lot of veterans find themselves going from one job to another, to another, to another for various reasons, you know, until you finally land on one that, you know, like I think you described it well, it's, you know, you, you finally found the sweet spot. You found, you know, your niche, the thing that, you know, kind of clicks with you. And sometimes it takes the veteran, um, you know, a few times, a few goes at bat to figure out what it is that, that clicks for them. And it did for me. Um, I don't even know if I actually found what clicks for me. I, I, I found what clicks for me, and it's what I'm doing right now. It's it's change your POV. It's interviewing veterans, the podcast, um, helping and mentoring, although I'm not getting paid to do it. So so right now, you know, I'm you know holding down a, a nine-to-five job doing this on the side with the ultimate goal to be able to, to turn this into something that, that I could do full-time. But that's my, that's my ultimate goal. So what are some things that you've been able to – kind of take from the military or leverage from your military experience into your everyday uh, life now and your, you know, in terms of your owning your own company? You know, you mentioned, you know, veterans are a glutton for punishment. I mean, we got beat down so many times, you know, financially, just it didn't, it, you know, it seemed like it didn't matter what we did. We could do everything right. And, you know, just things would not work out. People, you know, not, not paying their bills, you know, not paying you, it didn't matter that, you know, we could have done everything right. And we probably still would have failed at that first attempt mm-hmm. uh, just because we, we were naive. Uh, right. You know, we, you know, in the military, you're taught to trust those that you work with, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guy next to me, he's going to cover, uh, cover my ass. Uh, if I don't see something, if, if I miss something, he's going to be there to back me up right here, you know, in, in the real world, <laughs> uh, oops, we're just going to push you out of the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> and right, and they're just going to, uh, and they're just going to run with it. Um, so you know, taking that punishment day in and day out, and never, you know, never giving up. Yeah, there was a point where I was where I was done, and uh, you know, my brother, you know, helped pick me up at that point, and you know, he had just gotten out of. I think he, yeah, he'd just gotten out of the army at that point too. So, you know, we just kind of got back up and, you know, went going again and, oh yeah, you know, we're brothers. We have definitely gone toe to toe and, Mm -hmm. you know, kicked each other out of the shop and, um, you know, gotten pissing matches. And I think even last week we got in a pissing match. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, we always come back because, you know, we keep that loyalty to each other and, you know, not just, you know, as brothers, but, you know, as business partners, you know, we have a common respect as veterans. Uh, yeah. He's not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. And, you know, we're going to, you know, just keep on pushing through. And another thing that I think really helps is you have customers, you know, in, in my line of work, we have customers that they, they can be very hard to deal with, very mm-hmm. stubborn. I mean, it's their way or the highway, and they don't give a damn who you are. They don't care what you've done for for anybody. They don't care how good you are. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't give a damn because it's you know their way or the highway. Being a, you know being a veteran, being in those high stress situations, dealing with all walks of life, you, you know how you you learn how to read people a little better. You know you know how to talk them down, and you know how to stand up to them. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely fired customers before, 
you know, mm-hmm. and I've had customers that I've hired come back and apologize because, you know, it took somebody, you know, strong-willed enough to get it through their thick head that maybe you're not right all the time. And, uh, you know, veterans, we have a pretty thick head ourselves, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like when in doubt, fire your customers. It it seems to work. <laughs> I like it. I, I like it. I mean, but you know, well, your 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 customers are essentially welders, and mm-hmm. well, welders are very. I mean, they're a breed unto themselves. Right? Oh, yes. They're very. They're very. Uh, boy, I I think I don't know. I don't know a whole lot. I mean, not as many as you, but the ones that I do know, it's like my brother. He's an iron worker, and and same thing with iron workers. They're very proud they're yeah they're a proud their breed they're uh they're a family they're very uh a tight-knit mm-hmm. group of individuals um very headstrong very um you know i don't know how to explain it but i you know welders are very similar to that and i can imagine you know dealing with that type of of a customer can be you know challenging to say the least but you know the good news is if you can manage the customer base of welders you you you're set, man. You can pretty much handle any other you know customer base out there imaginable. Um, so we're wrapping up here. So you kind of hit on it a little bit, but I wanted to touch on it as well. I know working with family is difficult as it is, but the fact that you're working with your brother, you know, making a successful business with him, you know, kudos to you, man. Not a lot of people can do that. Um, have you found that, you know, the fact that you guys have military experience, even though, you know, you were in the Navy, he was in the army, you guys, you guys understand, you know, discipline and respect and, and all those things that, that, you know, non-veterans or non-military just kind of don't get very easily. Um, so have you been able to, um, leverage that camaraderie aspect of, uh, being, uh, both, um, with military background and as veterans into your business? Um, towards each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes that, uh, you know, that blood get kind of gets uh, a little mixed up in there. Um, but you know, we always come back and, you know, it's kind of, uh, forgive and forget kind of thing, you know? Yeah. We both know, you know, we said something, did something we shouldn't have. And, uh, you know, we moved past it. Um, you know, everybody's done it, especially in the military, you know, things are said, you know, things are done. And you mm-hmm. just got to move past it. Um, and, you know, that's kind of, I think, one of the best things that we have going for each other, you know, is we're able to just, you know, yeah, we may be pissed off at each other one day, but the next day or even that night, you know, I can call them up and say, hey, did you, you know, and just talk regular, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we know it's business. And sometimes, you know, business just eats you up and uh, we try not to take it outside the shop, you know, yeah. if I need the, you know call him up later that night and I need help with something, uh, he won't hesitate to, you know, leave his house and find me wherever I need help at. So, yeah, that's cool, man. All right. So, um, at the end of, at the end of my interviews, I like to ask all my guests a question. It's the same question I ask. Of course I get different answers, but give us an example of a time when you thought something one way and something happened, uh, an occurrence happened or certain circumstance happened that that forced you or caused you to think of that particular situation in a different a, a different way or from a different perspective. What was it, and what did you learn from that experience? My first failed attempt at business. I mean, we could have pointed fingers at each other all day. They weren't getting the jobs done right or not fast enough. 
I wasn't managing it right. We failed together. You know, they spent too much. I spent too much. And, you know, it all kind of came down to we didn't communicate. Uh, you know, we didn't trust each other enough. And um, instead of just blaming each other and uh, we could have some real bad blood between me and my friend right now. And, you know, we don't. I can call him up right now and, you know, bullshit with him on the phone. We don't do business with each other, you know, full on. I mean, he's my customer. I'm his customer. Mm-hmm. And instead of just blaming each other, we looked at, you know, how we all could have done better or could have done worse. And, you know, we we learned from that. It took a few years to, you know, learn from that. But time is probably one of the best teachers. Yeah, I like that answer, man. That's cool. Hey, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your story. And I'd love getting a chance to get to know you a little bit better. I look forward to getting your brother on here as well and getting his perspective and see and seeing if he's just as kind to you as you were to him. So <laughs> we could uh, we could have a little bit more of a uh, uh, I won't say a better conversation, just one that I'd understand more if we're talking army stuff. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean it's good, man. I like to talk to different branches and learn a little bit more. My son's best friend actually joined the navy um, right out of high school. He's a um, sub, he works with submarines. What is submariner. that? A submariner. Yep. There you go, submariner. And uh, he's stationed out in uh, uh, Washington uh, State, out there. And I forget the name of his boat. It's currently at dry dock right now, getting whatever submarines get in dry dock. But uh, yep. so he's excited to eventually, at some point, getting it out to sea and all that good stuff. So he's doing all of his training and stuff. Um, I think he's like on a different sub or something doing his training and doing all those fireman qualifications and whatnot. But yeah, he's loving it. He's digging it. And, um, it's, you know, good. That's good. I mean, you know, he, he and I are pretty close too. And he calls me up and he starts telling me all these, all these stories, but he's telling it from a, from the perspective of a Navy and he doesn't realize that not all branches are the same. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm nodding my head and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it sounds cool. But and I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, dude. You're, <laughs> you're using words that I've never heard before, man. I have no idea. But, um, yeah, that's cool, man. Thank you for your service, man. I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, as a, as a business owner or small business owner, I will say as a failed small business owner, uh, myself, I know exactly uh, where you're coming from. So there's nothing like owning your own business. But then again, there's nothing like owning your own business, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a definitely two-sided coin for sure. It is. All right, man. Stay on the line. We're going to chat a little bit afterwards. But to close up this episode, uh, do you listen to audiobooks at all whatsoever? Um, when, <laughs> when I was uh, on the boat, I yeah. listen to audiobooks all the time. Um, is basically the only way to you know wind wind me down from yeah. you know, up on the flight but uh, flight deck. You know something to listen to where I can just relax in my uh, rack and I uh, eventually go to sleep. Nice. All right. Very good. So for all of you sailors out there that are on a ship with nothing to do, and you like to listen to audiobooks then I've got uh, something special for you. You can head on over to changeyourpov.com forward slash free book, and you can download your free book from audible.com and get your 30-day free trial. Again, that's changeyourpov.com forward slash 
free book for your 30-day free trial and your free uh, book download. So go on and head over, check that out, and um, let me know what you're reading. I'd love to hear all those sailors out there are going to go and download uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, right? <laughs> all right, man. Oh, dirty. <laughs> never miss never miss an episode hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice we have a lot more great content headed your way if you want to reach out to me directly you can email me at eddie at changerpov.com i would love to hear from you until next time thanks for listening to change your pov podcast with eddie lazary Check out more content by going to changeyourpov.com. And remember, your ability and willingness to change your point of view will open doors of opportunity.